Welcome back to Long Covid Doctor, an educational series for sufferers of Long Covid. I'm Dr Tim Robinson, formerly a family doctor, GP for 30 years, now a Long Covid specialist. This is the second part on pins and needles and Long Covid. In the first part, I talked about the symptoms and the causes. And in this, the second part, I'll talk about the management and outcomes. Check out the references and resources and the links to social media in the show notes below. Just to say, any advice, diagnoses, treatments that I mention should only be considered after discussion with your own doctor or medically qualified health professional. So, here we go. Part two on pins and needles and long COVID. And just by way of a quick refresher, a reminder, there are many causes for pins and needles. Maybe they are due to nerve root compression or diabetes or MS or B12 deficiency. Maybe they're due to medications or excessive alcohol intake or other rarer causes. But they can also occur following acute COVID that doesn't settle and hence becomes part of the long COVID symptom picture. Treatment for pins and needles depends on whether an underlying cause has been discovered. If so, that particular condition needs to be treated appropriately. For example, a patient with diabetes needs to have their treatment optimised. The patient with B12 deficiency needs to be investigated and then topped up with B12 injections, preferably. If there is no other sort of underlying cause discovered, the pins and needles can be put down to long COVID. And so the question is, what can we do to treat this? And the answer, unfortunately, is there isn't anything that we can do to speed up the elimination of the pins and needles. This will happen with time. As the working hypotheses uh, that explain pins and needles in long COVID are due to the effects the virus has had on peripheral nerves, as well as how the signals from the peripheries are interpreted and handled by the brain in the brainstem, it will take time for natural resolution, natural healing to occur. But the good news is uh, that mostly this resolution does happen, pins and needles does settle, uh, but it does take time. Just thinking the various underlying long COVID causes, thinking peripheral nerves that are damaged by the virus itself, that takes time for those, those, those nerves, those nerve cells to be replaced. Um, if it's due to microclots, microthrombi blocking the blood vessels, that also takes time. Uh, for the natural recanalization and or bypassing the neovascularization to occur. If it's due to excessive inflammatory factors impairing normal function of the nerve, it will take time for the inflammation to settle down. 
and likewise if the excessive inflammation process involves activation of the mast cells in the tissues surrounding the peripheral nerves, that too takes time. And finally, if the pins and needles are due to autoantibodies to the nerve fibres or their supportive connective tissues, that too also also takes time to settle. As I said earlier, there is no specific proven single treatment that is recommended to speed up the resolution of any of these imbalances or dysfunctions. And so all we can do is create an environment that optimizes these natural healing processes. And the way we do this is to consider the more holistic, whole person approach, the integrative approach. And by this I mean considering nutrition, sleep and stress. And at the same time using those energy conserving tactics to address the long COVID fatigue. These will all work together in unison um, to assist the recovery from long COVID and hopefully in the quickest possible way. So firstly, nutrition, our diet. We should be all eating, preferably, a mixed balanced diet, the Mediterranean diet, which contains all the necessary minerals and vitamins. Those building blocks for cellular sort of repair, tissue repair, as well as anti-inflammatory and antioxidants, the polyphenols. Those are the naturally occurring plant substances that are occurring in in, um, vegetables and fruit that give vegetables and fruit their wonderful spectrum of colours. The oranges, the yellows, the blacks, the purples, the greens. Um, Those, it's the polyphenols that are responsible for that. And polyphenols are basically anti-inflammatory antioxidants that mop up the free radicals, the, the sort of the byproducts of normal cellular metabolism. The Mediterranean diet will also contain prebiotic fiber, which is really important to nourish our gut microbiota, the gut flora, the friendly gut bacteria. And I cover this more fully fully in my talk on long COVID gut. But basically a healthy gut flora is so important for supporting the immune system, production of vitamins and hormones, neurotransmitter chemicals such as serotonin. 90% of the body's serotonin is produced in the the, um, intestinal lining. Also dopamine, GABA, all these really important neurotransmitters are produced in the gut and more specifically in a healthy gut. A mixed balanced diet also should contain oily fish, the best source for omega-3 fish oils. Okay, these are essential fatty acids. Again, these are really important to support the immune system. They're also cardioprotective and they're also um, anti-inflammatory. So good for um, osteoarthritis of the joints or helpful, let's say. 
And finally, the uh, the final thing that we should be doing is having supplementing supplementing with vitamin D. Um, as we all know, vitamin D is produced in the skin, synthesized in the skin, in the presence of ultraviolet light, more specifically, ultraviolet B light. Here in the northern hem- in the northern hemisphere, here in the UK, we're relatively sunlight starved, uh, especially in the winter months. And so, topping up with vitamin D, which itself has multiple functions throughout the body, so many metabolic um, uh, and tissue functions, but in particular, it is supportive of the immune system. Uh, Patients often ask me whether I take any supplements, etc. And I'm completely honest and upfront and say, yes, I do. I take a vitamin D and I take the the, um, a capsule of fish oil. Yes, my wife and I have oily fish, salmon, usually once a week. Uh, But there's no harm in supplementing it. They say that you ought to have fish twice a week to receive adequate um, quantities of uh, essential fatty acids. Well, there's no harm in taking one capsule a day, a thousand milligrams that contains both DHA and EPA. Why not? I do. So that's diet done. Um, what about the second? And that was sleep. I talked about sleep. And, you know, basically, it's so important. Sleep, after all, as we all know, is the great healer. It refreshes and repairs. And we must support our day-night cycle, the circadian rhythm, which determines release of various restorative hormones, the most important of which is growth hormone. And so we should think about sleep hygiene pretty seriously. And uh, to have healthy sleep, you know, it's best to have a strict bedtime and, and, you know, Go to bed with a sleep-inducing novel, a Jane Austen or a Thomas Hardy or something like that. Um, preferably not um, scrolling through, um, uh, scrolling through your sort of sort of Facebook and Instagram uh, posts, etc., on your mobile phones or your screens on your tablets. Certainly not an hour before going to sleep because um, tablets and screens emit blue light, which is arousing, not pink light, which is relaxing and calming. So if you have any difficulty getting off to sleep, despite that, you know, you could always try Pyroton, four milligrams, chlorphenamine, see, you know, the original antihistamine, first generation antihistamine, which one of the side effects uh, is, is sedation. Um, which is the, re- the very reason why we don't use it now for hay fever and, and allergic conditions. Um, but it is very good and you can buy it over the counter. It's cheap as chips and it's not addictive, etc., etc. Uh, there are various studies to show that magnesium, 500 milligrams a couple of hours before going to bed, assists in getting you to sleep. Melatonin, um, likewise, Lots of studies, there have been lots of studies on melatonin to prove that it's safe and and effective. Um, again, it's not addictive, but, uh, you know, it's, it, and, and, and to my mind, it, it actually makes sense. Uh, 
to take it rather than magnesium or pyroton or anything else um, uh, because basically we produce melatonin as a hormone from our pineal gland, a little gland only the size of a grain of rice, I believe, um, that's sort of sitting behind the hypothalamus in the heart of the brain, the center of the brain. And its function is sedation. It, it has antioxidant effects as well, but it is secreted by the pineal gland during the dark darkness, and it has sleep-enhancing properties. So that's the natural melatonin. Why not, if you're having sleep problems and difficulty getting to sleep, insomnia, why not top up with synthetic melatonin? Three milligrams, you can get rapid access, rapid access, rapid, rapid onset um, f- version of it, something called circadian. You can get it over online. It's safe and tried and tested. I cover this in much greater depth uh, in my sleep disturbance presentation. So that's sleep done, done nutrition, done your sleep. Um, and then on to stress. Okay. So, I mean, of course, stress is so important to tackle, isn't it? Stress is not good. Too much stress is really not good. You know, it puts your blood pressure up. It puts, you know, it, it, it leads to heart disease and, um, and, you know, uh, and, and aids inflammation and it disturbs the gut. Um, uh, gut flora, you know, I've already talked about gut flora. Um, this is another thing that can upset the gut flora. Um, not good all round. So basically, it's probably a good move to try and tackle stress and worry and, you know, and, and um, the fight and flight response, the excess adrenaline and uh, sympathetic overdrive. It's a good thing to try and deal with it and there are various techniques um, natural techniques to do to do this there's meditation there's mindfulness everyone's talking about mindfulness these days and have been for a number of years now um, uh, one of the mind body techniques really very simple straightforward to do you can learn it by downloading a, an app called headspace or another good another good one is calm can download it onto your phone it's pretty cheap um, but it's a great they are great resources for learning how to do mindfulness and mindfulness is worth doing it's and it's actually it's it's backed up by by serious research studies you know many hundred research studies to prove that mindfulness is very good at dealing with stress and dealing and lowering blood pressure even and you know Practicing mindfulness 15-20 minutes a day on a regular basis. After six weeks, there are changes. Changes that uh, can be demonstrated. Um, One study that comes to mind is uh, studying a whole lot of students and divided them into two. Those that did mindfulness, those that didn't do mindfulness. The ones that did do mindfulness, their hippocampus, the area in the brain, in the limbic system, that is responsible for short-term memory and also emotion processing, um, was uh, greater, uh, it was uh, larger um, and denser than those who didn't do mindfulness. So an MRI scan, you show the difference, it must be right. 
So that's stress done. Um, and then I also mentioned earlier this sort of the importance of applying the, the, the ways to manage fatigue, um, the, the strategies that we learned, um, for uh, those patients who with long COVID have fatigue. And I think it's really important and it ties in with everything I've said before as well as the sort of the holistic general approach. Basically, fatigue, remember, we have to think of the three Ps, plan, pace, and prioritize. So just thinking mostly on pacing right now, the process of balancing activity, that's physical, mental, and emotional, with rest. Um, pacing gives you awareness of your limitations and knowing your limitations you know, your baseline to work to, but not to go beyond because you want to avoid that boom and bust. You want to conserve energy. You don't want to do too little though, but you don't want to do too much. So you can plan how much energy you use and how, and to use it most efficiently and most effectively. So again, I cover this in much greater depth in my, my talk um, on uh, long COVID fatigue. Besides all this general advice, there are a few trusted resources for long COVID management. Always worthwhile to be able to turn to and sort of and revise from. The first is Your COVID Recovery, which is the NHS England website, a self-help patient resource for symptoms and information and self-management of long COVID. It's really excellent. I've um, put the links in the in the show notes below. And the Royal College of Occupational Therapists have lots of excellent resources to download to help with fatigue. And so, the outcomes. What are the outcomes of bins and needles in long COVID, back to long, back to pins and needles, and sort of specifically tackling that, the outcomes. Well, basically, most cases of pins and needles do improve or even clear completely with time. That is gained from collective experience in our long COVID patients. Um, basically, they do it does settle with time naturally. This is presumably due to the inflammation and the immune systems returning to normal, the damaged nerve cells getting replaced, reconnecting by neuroplasticity, microclots getting cleared and bypassed, all the body systems becoming rebalanced, the immune system, the sort of the inflammatory system, the neurological system, the endocrine, the hormonal systems, all becoming rebalanced and working harmoniously together again. But unfortunately, as I said, this all takes time and it's a pity that we don't have any specific treatment that speeds up these natural healing processes. But at least in the meantime, hopefully the explanations and suggestions that I have described will optimize the situation, put you in the best position for that natural healing to occur. 
and hopefully you'll be able to be cleared of your pins and needles at the soonest, soonest possible opportunity. And so that concludes the second part of my talk on pins and needles and long COVID, following on from the first part earlier. I hope you've found that helpful, or both of them helpful. Um, check out the references and resources and links to social media in the show notes below. Uh, and as I mentioned at the start, any advice, diagnoses, treatments that I, that I mention should only be considered after discussion with your own GP or qualified health professional. So in the meantime, I wish you well. I wish you well in your long COVID recovery. So cheerio. Thank you.